This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. This is Tulio Sergusa broadcasting from Southern California. Joining me today are Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, and Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Hello. Pleasure to be here, Sabertulio. This is the last show for the week, but not the least important. We're definitely going to be having a good conversation about the web and about your wallet. And our guest today is Greg Fryer, who's the uh, COO and EVP of Data at Fundify. Hi, Greg. Good to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So before we get into the topic of conversation today, let's get to know you a little bit and uh, get to know your company. If you could just take a few moments and kindly introduce yourself to the audience, let us know who Craig is. Sounds great. Well, again. Thank you. Thank you, Tulio. And it's a pleasure to be with you today. And I have a really fun and storied career. I basically... Um, I describe myself as having a superpower of assimilating technology very quickly and then converting it for business into business strategy for competitive advantage. And that's led me into all kinds of areas in investing. I was a technology evangelist at Apple Computer and I invested Apple's money into starting uh, all kinds of sectors, including the consumer and entertainment sector. Uh, I've been a venture partner and an incubator and also have been an angel investor in, in particularly the data sector. And so it's it's been a lot of fun to put fingerprints on all these companies. I've, I've actually talked to and vetted over 3,000 startups in my career. And uh, as I often joke, I've gotten pretty good at telling entrepreneurs that their ideas aren't really going to to to, to scale to the, the proportions of angel or venture funding in a way they feel honored and respected and value, valued. So it's a great uh, industry to be in. And this whole area of equity crowdfunding, which I'm working in now, is, is literally exploding. So uh, with with opportunity, so it's it's really a great time to be involved in talking about this. I'm sure I'm sure those entrepreneurs love you when you burst their bubble about the uh, fact that <laughs> things don't happen as fast as they think it's going to happen. Many times you, they've called me back and said that kind of stung after a couple of weeks of thinking about it. You save me a lot of time and effort, and we're going to go back right. and try again. Ex so people exactly. need candor. They need they need people to tell them so. I say I, I helped you dodge a bullet. That's really what uh, what happened there. Uh, so tell us about Fundify. What is uh, what's the company all about? What gave birth to this idea? Uh, tell yeah, us about you bet. You bet. Fundify is a funding portal uh, that was regulated, that is regulated by the SEC and the Fenner organization. And what we do is we act as a matchmaker between startups who are seeking funding and investors who would like to put some capital at play into startup asset class. And that's fascinating dynamic because previously, uh, as near as four or five years ago, you had to be a high net worth individual with significant, it's called an accredited investor in order to do that. And so now it's open for everyone, accredited and non-accredited or to retail investors. And so we provide a portal where startups can come and put together all their information and then investors can come and take a look and see if there are things that match up with their interests and passions and, and actually invest in those. And instead of like in Kickstarter or GoFundMe or other crowdfunding sites, you get a product or service. Instead, you get equity in the company. So there's potential significant upside in doing so. 
great. Let's uh, let's see what we can learn today from this because I'm also curious about whether you guys have created a marketplace. I know there's a few buy side marketplaces and there's uh, one of them that at least created a sell side marketplace, which is always the big question, right? I put in the money. When do I get it out? How do I get it out? Let's see what we can learn today and unpack. Kim, if you could be so kind to introduce the topic of conversation and let's kick it off. Oops, I think Kim might yep. be frozen. At least she frozen. froze with a good she froze with a good pose though. So her mouth right. was moving, so it was exactly, a very flattering exactly. freeze. And then, yeah. then, right. You have like when you were a kid, your parents and you used to make faces or whatever, and it's like be careful, you might get stuck in that pose. You know, exactly. so if you're gonna get stuck in a pose on Zoom <laughs> or on video, might as well be one where you're smiling. Right, right. <laughs> <All> right. Okay. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, then I'll just uh, step in while we wait for Kim to get here. So the topic is as chosen by our guests, Craig, today is um, the web and your wallet. We're going to be answering the question on how tech technology gives you a seat at the angel investing table, leveling the playing field for everyday investors. Well, well, quick question. The first question, Craig, is why did you choose this particular topic. Why did you feel it was relevant for today's uh, day and age? Yes. Well, thanks for asking. And and Web in Your Wallet is interesting because you have the ability as a retail investor for the first time ever to actually get a seat at the table alongside angel investors, investing at the same terms and conditions that may have only been imagined in years past. And in fact, five years ago, you couldn't do this. And so the ability to Diversify your portfolio of investments online. Maybe you have some money in stocks. Maybe you have some money in precious metals or other kinds of things. <clears throat> maybe you give money to causes that you care about. But be able, being able to, to have an impact on the future of technology, of sectors that you're interested in. We have all kinds of companies that are on our marketplace portal from a football soccer team to uh, a pharmaceutical company working on some significant cures to a couple of entertainment companies. Uh, there are all kinds of things that might be interesting to you. And instead of just investing and getting a product or a service down the, down the line, you actually can have upside. So the question that you asked that's, that's interesting is, so I put my money in, when do I get it out? Okay, that's an interesting part of the angel investing asset class and the typical uh, timeframes, it's, it's all over the map. So let me just say that. In my experience, it, I've seen what are known as liquidity events where your stock becomes worth something in as little as a few months to the average of three to four years. So this is patient money. This isn't money that you put in and then expect to get a return uh, and out of the investment in a short time frame. However, one thing that is unique to regulation equity crowdfunding is what's known as the secondary market. And we can talk about that in a little while if you'd like, but there are secondary markets emerging and we'll be participating at some point as well, where once you've held your stock in a company that you've invested in, for 12 months, you have the ability to trade that on a secondary market with other interested retail and accredited investors. So there's actually faster liquidity possible in regulation equity crowdfunding than any other uh, similar asset class. Greg, would you say that's in the past held some people back in terms of uh, even looking at these as options? You know, some people, yes, it's patient money. It's a long tail thing. Uh, but unless the company is going to go through an IPO or they're going to get acquired, you're not really going to be able to exit in a traditional kind of a model. 
uh, and selling the stock in private. There's all kinds of issues related to that and challenges related to that. So maybe you could break this down for us. Is this like a OPO, an online public offering scenario kind of thing? How does it work? Let's just play out the scenario. I'm a startup. I put my profile up. I want to sell some equity, some shares. What options do I have to do that? Investor comes in, whether they're accredited or not, doesn't matter. They can play. There's a minimum, what have you. And then a few years into it, those investors are like, well, this is looking like it's going to take a lot longer to have an exit event. I want to sell my assets off to somebody else who wants to take advantage of the potential growth. How do, can you paint the picture on how it works? Yeah, you, you just captured a lot of it. Welcome back, Kim. You just captured a lot of it in your description and your question, Tulio. So um, I'll try to add some, some color commentary to that. But uh, let me go upstream a little bit as well, because something happened that was quite significant back in March of this year. And that is the SEC changed the rules and improved the conditions for equity crowdfunding for startups, for regulation equity crowdfunding. First, they raised the limit from $1 million to $5 million, which means mm -hmm. that companies can raise more capital. And that can be significant toward executing to either revenue or liquidity downstream. So that's a big deal. Second, accredited investors, high net worth investors are uncapped now. So they're referred to sometimes as wells. They can invest as much as, you know, up to the $5 million limit. Uh, we don't recommend that to startups to put, you know, all the eggs in one basket, but it's a high class problem if it happens. The, but the other significant thing is they introduce something that are in other asset classes. It's called a test the waters opportunity. And we've branded this a fast pitch preview. And if you go to our site at fundify.com, you'll see the fast pitch previews there. These are non-binding uh, commitments of, uh, for an indication of interest. You can basically just say, I think this new soccer team has promise. I would like to sign up and reserve $100 in the campaign. I think the minimum is, is 10, but for many of our campaigns, the minimum is only $10. So $100 on some, some are even more. It's set by the startup themselves. But that way you can diversify your investments across companies. And as they become live, you can decide, I wanna convert that into a live, a real investment commitment or an increase or change it, whatever that case might be. Once the money is committed and invested, then the company will start to execute against the plan and then they'll update you. They're, they owe you a, an annual plan uh, update to let you know how it's going. And then as you said, there's liquidity in the secondary markets, but you have to think of this more as a, uh, an investment that can provide you significant multiples. Let me give you an example. In the asset class of startups, which is a risky asset class. I mean, we, we understand that, but it's also a lot of fun, uh, especially if you could place only $10. You can place a lot of bets for $10 and the returns could be quite significant. Uh, in, in fact, in, in comparison to other asset classes, uh, the average, according to some industry studies by uh, Kauffman Foundation and others, show about a 27% return on that as compared to less than a percent on savings or 8% on blue chips or maybe the same 8 to 10% on real estate or stock. So there's a much bigger upside. So it's a risk reward kind of scenario. So you put the investment in, you can monitor things over time. Uh, a lot of companies do follow on uh, crowdfunding as well. So you, if you really like it and believe in what's happening, you can sometimes place even more investment in. But the key is this, you wanna diversify your investments across a number of asset classes, but this is the first time that you can get into 
the startup world. And, and again, if you put 10, 20, 50 bucks in a number of deals, the industry average is around 40 deals. Say if you put $10 in 40 deals, that's $400. Do you have a pretty good opportunity that one or two of those are going to do well? Nice. Craig, there might be viewers out there who, like me, for example, could be at the uh, at the layman level or even late arrivals into this the whole space of technology. And so, whenever, for example, personally, when I hear the word startup, I immediately tend to relate it, to connect it to the technology world. But you also you also mentioned, uh, as an example, uh, a soccer team. So what kind of companies can reach out to Fundify to seek funding? That's That would be my question. Yeah, we we are um, open to any type of, of company. And, and we use the word startup kind of uh, um, uh, you, to include a lot of different things. It, it, some companies we have are actually growth companies. They've, they've gone through several years. They've kind of proven themselves. And they're, they're seeking equity crowdfunding to grow from beyond a proof of concept into a, a, a dominant position in the marketplace to really establish themselves. But there are a few restricted company types. You could probably imagine things that basically um, are involved in um, things that, that, that prey on people's addictions or that don't really show value for human life or, or uh, things that, that are just questionable. We, we do restrict those. But in terms of sectors, it's all over the place. So we've got some technology companies, uh, we've got some sports companies, we've got some precious metal companies, a couple of entertainment companies, pharmaceutical company, logistics and transportation. We have one that is uh, selling a, a high-end uh, uh, cocktail drinks. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, the one of the largest perennial areas for regulation equity crowdfunding is. Uh, is uh, craft beer, <laughs> local breweries. Wow. <laughs> and like eight to 10% of the, of the funding goes to that, I guess, because if you know, one of the perks might be that you can show up and, and get a discount, you know, cerveza. And so that makes great sense. And, but people tend also to invest local. So about 60 to 70%, the statistics are that people invest in entrepreneurs and startups that are in their backyard, because again, it just helps them contribute to, the success in their community and jobs growth and the like. So, Carlos, your dream right. of making craft beers in Norway, it can come go. true on Fund Here we fun. go. There you speaking go. Of, you go. Uh, speaking of international, is this predominantly effective here in the U.S. or is this open to other markets as well? It's a great question, Tulio. The regulation equity crowdfunding, as we offer on our funding portal, is only for U.S. headquartered companies. So you could be an international company, but you would have to have your headquarters uh, here. And, and it could be a, a subsidiary that actually acts as a headquarters. There's different ways to do it. There are different kinds of funding that are global in scale. And in the coming year, Fundify will be going into those. Uh, and they're just higher dollar amount types of equity crowdfunding. But for regulation equity crowdfunding, the type we're talking about that, that non-accredited retail investors are uh, able to, to invest in, it's U.S. Now, investors can be from anywhere. And we have selected a, a, about 20 countries where, uh, that are well-known and, and characterized and, and have uh, a good reciprocal kinds of agreements with the U.S. where investors can invest from, from those countries. Uh, and we're bringing more and more of those countries in over time. So... There are other countries, I believe the 
one of our strategic advisors, uh, Capital uh, Crowdfunding Associates, they were at the table when Obama signed the, the 2012 Jobs Act, which included Title III for equity crowdfunding. And they've been industry analysts ever since. They've been to 43 countries telling people how we're doing it here in the US. And so it is taking off in other, other sectors and countries in the world. In the UK in particular, they're doing they're going great guns. So there's one deal that one startup that funded had a million dollar raise and it funded in, I think, 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with the new changes as of last March, I know that if you did an online uh, offering, you were limited to a million dollars without needing to provide fin- uh, audited financials. Five million, you could you have to provide audited financials. That's still the case. Is it is that? Because uh, ultimately, you want to protect those investors, right? Uh, as yes. well. So, how to? What are the the things that are in place to protect the investor so that uh, what's being put out there is legitimate, not just people being, you know, uh, opportunistic, if you will. Sure. Can you walk sure. us through that. Yeah, you bet. Well, it starts with us as a portal. Our obligation is to provide something called reasonable basis assessments. It's it falls short of what I've done in the past in venture capital and angel investing of due diligence. That's a much more detail, but we have to look for obvious uh, fraud in in the in the company or in the executive team. We have to look for any past historical violations with the SEC. And uh, I'll just be encouraging to you. We found some in previous startups, and we said, "I'm sorry, we we can't work with you." Uh, because the team member had a violation or something. So we do that diligence. And then we have to make sure that they can keep books and records of the investments and the investors. But apart from that, um, the the nature of what is disclosed by the startup, which is also referred to as an issuer, as they prepare their funding campaign, which as you referred to as an offering. By the way, for any new industry, sector, or topic, I find that 90% of it's vocabulary. So that's why I'm going through some of these fundamentals to your point, Carlos, in case there's some layman or or newly initiated into this space, they have to go through and fill out something that's pretty rigorous. It's akin to a business plan. It's called a Form C. And the Form C is posted for every uh, active startup that's raising money on our Mm -hmm. portal or other portals. And you can go and look at it. And it talks about the risk factors. It talks about the leadership teams. It talks about prior investments. It, It talks about their business plan and how they're going to use the capital. So there's a lot of disclosure there that if people want to dig in, they can take a look. But what we often find, especially in, in retail investors, is you invest partly with your brain, but a lot with your heart. You just see something, you go, that's cool. For instance, one of our first camp crowdfunding campaigns uh, was a lady who was a nurse. She became a CEO of her own startup company. After getting several design patents, she created this device out of her own need that is like a Keurig machine for baby formula. And it's like, what a great idea. I would have loved to have that. And she you know, raised 300% of her target funding, but all the information about what she was going to do with the money, in fact, part of it went to getting another patent. Patent. Um, it's all disclosed in there. So people can dig in. But a lot of times people will just look at it and go, that's a great idea. I'm going to put a hundred bucks on that because I want my daughter when she has a baby or whatever to have access to that in the marketplace. So uh, there, there's a lot of things that are disclosed and it gives people the ability to, to do that. One other thing that's different from other funding portals is Fundify draws upon the wisdom of independent industry experts to create blog posts and other commentaries about the market trends and industry potential around particular sectors. 
So they don't recommend startups, but they can talk about, say, baby tech as an industry. And so people can look at that and say, oh, well, that's interesting. That helps to inform my decision. And so that, that's a unique uh, differentiator that we offer. You, you, Craig, that's, who sent that's, a good that's, head, that's, uh, Yes. One more thing, uh, quick thing. That's very interesting, Craig, what you just mentioned, because um, uh, if, if I'm an investor or a potential investor, I can get these insights from the expert network. But are these experts or is the advice provided by these experts, these experts also available to the companies themselves who are seeking funding to uh, well that's a to... great question that's a great point and we can't we can let those startups know in different sectors that hey these people exist in the world but and then we can make introductions or they can find them independently i mean the linkedin profiles or whatever mm -hmm. and then approach them and we don't we, we can't and we don't provide any advice to the startups financial legal or otherwise again mm -hmm. we just serve as a marketplace then we provide education both mm -hmm. educational materials to investors as well as to startups, but they can connect the dots. And if after the funding campaign is over or at any point they can say, hey, we would like to add you to our advisory board or otherwise, there's a notion in e equity crowdfunding, not a lot of portals use this, not a lot of startups use it. It's called a paid promoter. You could even bring somebody into your fold, into your, your network and your company and have them act as a paid promoter for your company in the offering. And again, it's something that the SEC provides for. We're exploring the best way to do that with equanimity because we want to make sure that just like we put a, a blog post of expert opinions and startup interviews and the like, we just need to be fair handed across the board so that there's coverage for, for all the different sectors that people might be interested in. Great. Thank you, Craig. Craig, Back I'm, to you, curious about, I'm curious about who sets the valuation for these companies so how you know i invest a hundred dollars i'm going to get what kind of shares based on what purchase price is it handled like that or is it it's more... a great question and it's a little i'll try to keep it really high level because one of our core values if you look at our website you'll see that our motto our mission is to simplify startup funding because the radical inefficiencies of startup funding still persist and it's one of the reasons that our founder and ceo josh and i got together as we did a couple of years ago to, to form the, this company and, and launch it is because we, we said there's got to be a better way. And one of the things we're becoming known for in the industry with startups is how much care and help and assistance we give to educating them on this process. But the, the, the one thing that's misunderstood is this notion of valuation. And you, know, you can go to Vestopedia or whatever and look at what that word means. But in the context of a startup, you typically say, I think my company is worth I don't know, $4 million. And you kind of pull that number out of the air by saying, based on our patents, based on our customers, our products, our traction. But in any event, it's it's somewhat of an artificial number. The investor comes along and says, okay, I think it's worth that. And I'm going to put a million in. So you're, that's your post-money valuation of 5 million, which means if you divide the million by the 5 million, they get 20% of your company. That's how valuation works. In regulation equity crowdfunding, most companies raise the funding on something called a safe. Safe means simple agreement for future equity. In that case, there's no valuation. It's actually set downstream by the next investor, if it's an institutional or other investor. What you do in reg crowd, reg, regulation equity crowdfunding is you can set a valuation cap, which means over this amount, the, the regulation equity crowdfunders, investors don't dilute any further. So it protects them from an upside. So say, for instance, 
you get a $10 million valuation from your Series A and they convert the safe. Well, if you're capped at $5 million, you still get that nice uh, uh, valuation below that. It's a little complex, but we, ex- we explain a lot of this in our knowledge base. We have a very detailed knowledge base. So the things that are typical in terms for regulation crowdfunding are a valuation cap and a discount. So sometimes issuer startups also offer like 10% discount for their safe holders. Now, the final thing I'll say is that regulation equity crowdfunding has different kinds of investment types. Some can be um, reg CF. um, I'm sorry, some can be safe. Some can be priced rounds. Some can be convertible debt. Some could be mm-hmm. revenue sharing. So you have to look at the details and see what those uh, terms and conditions are. But it's a great question. Right, right. And so in traditional angel investors, you you become a member of the cap table. How does that how is that handled? Is is the safe listed on the cap table or is the individual investor listed? How does that work? It, it depends. It's it's the individual investors most times. And if okay. you're if you're investing through an IRA or otherwise, it may be the name of your IRA. IRA. And there's another wrinkle. And again, we try to simplify it and we have the information. The other thing the SEC did, and then we'll wrap up here, is they introduced something called a special purpose vehicle back in March. This is used in Reg D and Reg A plus the higher tier, 10 million, 75 million raises. And a special purpose vehicle consolidates all the investors in a, a round or an offering into one line item on the cap table. So there's a proxy. Everybody else is under that. That is going to be emerging in 2022. It makes it better for the issuer startups because they don't have to, you know, have as much complexity on the cap table because the downstream investor likes clean, organized cap tables with very few. Right. Sounds like. But some reg CF companies have had up to 15,000 investors, so it can get quite. uh, But that's a high class problem, right? If you get. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like. You'll it party. Like the, intro, the introduction of a private in, uh, institutional investor setup set kind of a thing. Exactly. Interesting. We're running out of time. <laughs> Carlos, yeah. let's, uh, you have a few questions. Uh, we could talk yeah. for hours. This is a very interesting topic. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, Craig, we're approaching the final segment of today's conversation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to end it without asking you specifically about um, what's working for Fundify like? And the reason why I'm asking this is because we might have viewers out there who could be engineers, developers, or you know, yes. people who might want to come work for you. What would you say to these people that makes Fundify uh, an incredible, an awesome company to work for? Yes. Well, I appreciate that. And we actually are hiring. We're building out the company in the, the new year. And so engineering particular marketing and others are, are great uh, folks to, to have speak to us. Um, those who have startup experience and, and know how to work in the startup ecosystem are also very interesting. We built a culture that is based on honor. Okay. And it's threefold. We honor the courage it takes for entrepreneurs to put it out there and have their idea out there for the market to react to. Because at the end of the day, crowdfunding campaigns are successful based on the wisdom of the crowd. They determine whether things hit their targets or hit their max funding levels. We also honor the investors for trusting the portal, this platform to come and put their money in to these companies. And finally, we we honor the expertise and the wisdom of experts, industry experts who add color commentary to the sectors. And so that pervades our company as well. We have a mutual respect and honor. We, we have a lot of fun. My personal ethos is to think deeply and live lightly. And that kind of characterizes a lot of what we do in the company as well. So 
Um, we, we have a great awesome. time. We're about to have our next offsite and people are amped. We're about to introduce a virtual reality uh, uh, workspace because we are remote where mm. we can collaborate together using a VR space. And so, you know, we're cutting edge in a lot of different ways and we're adding technology to this equation to automate and make things uh, simpler, faster, and more efficient for both the, the startup and the investor. So thanks for asking. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Craig. Appreciate it. Sounds like you're adding fun into Fundify. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got to know what those Van Gogh chairs, where'd you get those chairs? You know, those when I, do you like them? Cool. Yeah, they're yeah, really cool. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm this, thinking like it's a Van Gogh painting on a chair. That's right. These chairs and the art behind us, because I live in Austin, the great state of Texas, where I'm from. We're actually part of the incubator that I uh, helped launch back in the uh, late 90s called Seed Stage here in Austin. And I've kept them around and people always say they love these chairs. So I've just kept them and uh, I love them too. I just recently had them super cleaned and they're super comfortable. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, Craig, it's been great to have you as our guest today. It's great catching up with you. So much to learn. So many opportunities today uh, for uh, everyday people to invest in startups and participate and reap the rewards that come with that. So until if I may, here's something super important. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. If you're a startup, there's no obligation. doesn't cost anything up front. If you raise funds, we take a small percentage of that as a success fee. And for investors, it costs nothing to invest. So we can't make that any more approachable than that. I love yeah. it. So Carlos, Great. Your craft beer business, establish it in the U.S., but then go and set up in Norway. Here we go. Norway, yes. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for being with us again, Craig. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Stay with us as we wrap up. Carlos, uh, what do we got coming up next week? We got the recap show on Monday. At we got the recap. Pacific, and then what do we got? We got two shows, Tulio, because remember that I think uh, next week is her all hands, so we're not having a show on Thursday. So we only have Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, we're going to be speaking with Andrew Levy, the co-founder and CEO of AirCover. The topic will be AI-driven future of remote sales. And on Wednesday, the conversation will be with Angela Castillo, the co-founder and COO of Hello Guru. The topic will be free the developers using no code. I look forward to the, those two conversations. Should be as interesting as ever right here on Dojo Live. 12 p.m. Pacific. So remember, folks, join us, have fun, enjoy life, and be safe. Thank you. And thanks, Craig, for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.